Hey, I'm Darren. I'm one of the pastors here at Focus, and, and we are starting a brand new series here today called Rally. I'm so excited about what God is going to have uh, in this series and what he's got in store for each and every single one of us, and I'm, I'm so glad that you're here, too, to be able to be part of this. And, and so let me just say to everyone who calls Focus their, their home church, I just love you so much, and I'm just glad to be able to see you. For all of you that are guests here and you're, and you're looking for a home church, let me just say welcome home. Come on, somebody. Love to be able to have you be part of us. And, and so we're starting this brand new series because it's kind of, it's rallies happen now, don't they? I mean, it's the season for rallies because it's September, which means that the NFL is starting today. Can we get an amen, right? Some of y'all are excited about that. You're like, I'm counting down. I got it up. My DVR is set. Let's get this thing going. Love the Arizona Cardinals around here, and I hope that they have a great day. I hope that today is a whole lot better than it was last season. Can I get an amen on that one, right? Now, we did end up number one, just the number one draft pick. That's not how we... Hopefully, this season is going to be a whole lot better, right? I know that Pastor James is going to be there today later on because he's a huge Detroit Lions fan. We love you so much, man. We hope you have a good day, just not that good of a day, all right? Love it so much. Football season is starting, and even if you're a fan of football or not, you know that this season is around us, right? You know that it's there. And I love the NFL, but, but I'm actually a little bit more inclined to, I'm, I'm drawn more to college football. Any college football? Yeah, right? I got some college football fans that are out there. And I think the reason why I'm so uh, invested in the college football it's probably because I, I grew up in Iowa, and there are no professional sports teams because there's nothing in Iowa, right? Like the greatest thing about being from Iowa is that I'm not there anymore, right? But, but so the Iowa Hawkeyes are kind of like, that's the professional team in Iowa. But, I, but it's more than just that. It's, uh, I love the tradition that goes along with college sports, right? There's all of these amazing traditions that all of these different schools have that I just think they're fantastic. Like you go to West Virginia and they're all singing uh, Country Road. You go to uh, places like, uh, well, just here, Arizona and Arizona State, there's the, there's the big trophy that they go after, right? The Territorial Cup, which is the oldest trophy in America. Like that's, how cool is that? Like it's the biggest rivalry as far as like the length of the trophy has been around. It's so cool. I love all of those different things. Oklahoma, they, they ride out at the beginning of the game with this, this covered wagon. That's co- they, the Sooner Schooner. Come on, Pastor James, right? Like that's what it is. Like uh, Auburn has a, this tumor's corner where after the games, they throw all of this toilet paper on all of these trees. Like how fun is that? You're not even getting in trouble. Like, this is legal. How fun to TP something and everybody's enjoying it and the cops are sitting there doing it with you. Like, that's what I'm talking about. I love those traditions. There's the Iowa wave. Come on, somebody. If you've never experienced something like that, you got to watch it till the first quarter. It's just so much fun. I love it. But one of, the, one of the traditions that I think is probably one of the coolest ones around is, uh, is at Texas A&M. Texas A&M has a... Oh, man, I just should have kept my mouth shut on that one. <laughs> Texas A&M has, they have a rich history. They have a rich tradition. And, and they've always had this, uh, this inkling towards uh, military. They, they have cadets that go to school at Texas A&M. And, and one year, back in 1931, uh, there was a group of seniors 
that wanted to do a little bit of hazing, some gentle hazing on some of the freshmen. And so they told this group of freshmen, hey, you know what? You need to meet outside of this building at midnight just to practice your yelling. Right? Like, who's going to fall for that, right? Like, here's who does. Freshmen do, right? That's who falls for that. So, so these seniors told these freshmen to do it. And, and pretty soon, pretty soon, word began to spread. Like, like freshmen are just like, we got to go out to this thing. And the next thing you know, this isn't just like a little bit of hazing. This is turning into a, a real deal. And, and so there's hundreds of freshmen that are gathering outside of this building at midnight just to practice yelling. So the guy who, did, who started this, uh, uh, Peanut Owens, because how many of y'all know that Peanut Owens is the guy who's going to start that tradition, right? Come on now. So Peanut Owens gets out in front of this building, and he begins to lead all of these hundreds of freshmen in yelling. Well, this turns into an annual tradition, and it still goes on today, that Texas A&M has a thing called the Midnight Yell. It still happens today over, before every single home game that there are alumni and current students that meet before home games. And we're not talking about just a couple of hundred anymore. This has turned into such a tradition that at Texas A&M, they have 25,000 people that come out at midnight. Every, before every single home. That's crazy, isn't it? It's the greatest pep rally on the planet. It is fantastic. I love college football because I love I love the tradition that goes along with it. And so that's what we're actually talking about during this series, this series called Rally. We want to we go through that, but, but what do I mean by rally? Like I just set you up, like immediately you're thinking pep rally. Like a, uh, is our church going to, like are we getting rid of the worship team and we're just going to have a marching band up there? Like Pastor Frankie, get rid of your guitar and you need one of those batons, right? Like I don't mean that, we're not going to have a pep rally, but... So what I want to do is I want to give you the working definition of what rally is for us during this series. For us, rally means this. It means being together to focus on a singular purpose and a singular action. Of having a group of people gather together to focus on a singular purpose and a singular action. Now I love the way that we've defined this even because it even says being together. Being means that there has to be action involved in it right away, right? Like you, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, you know, I'd love to be there, but I can't. So you tell somebody, I might not be with you in body, but I'm with you in spirit, right? And that kind of works sometimes. Like, you know, you have a friend of yours that's going through a, a difficult time, but you can't get there. They're, they have a surgery. You'd love to be there, but you can't. And you're, I'm praying for you, right? Like it works sometimes, but... Let's just be honest, other times that's just a cop-out, isn't it? Like, I don't really want to go to that thing, so I'm with you in spirit. Have fun at your birthday party, right? Like, but we want to be together. You actually have to be together at a rally. Or how about the exact opposite of it? Have you ever been in a situation where your body's there, but your mind is somewhere completely, like, I'm not there. Like, I'm very far off in something else. I'm thinking about, you have to be there presently. If you're going to be in a rally that you are there in mind, body, and spirit, that you are there to focus on a singular purpose and a singular action. And you all know we love the word focus around here. That's what we do, right? We want to be a church that helps lead people to focus on Jesus. Because focus gives you direction for your life. 
You can be around people. How many of y'all know that it's easier to focus on something when the people that you are around are focused on the same thing? Right? Like you could be in a group of people and somebody says, hey, look over there. And what are you going to do? It's over there. Right? Like you just look automatically. We are in a world that is trying to get us to focus on anything but Jesus. And so you want to be around people that are focused in the same thing, in the same direction. You don't even, you know, sometimes you don't even have to have that person say, hey, look over there. Like you're just in a group of people and all of a sudden a couple of them are looking over there and you're like, what's over there? Like, do I need to be worried about anything? You know, like, you, if you are around people that are focused in the same direction, it is so much easier to, for you to focus on the same thing. That's why we want to rally together so that we can all be focused together on a singular purpose and a singular action. And I love that word action as well. Jesus says to go and make disciples. He gave us a mission, and we are a church on mission. We don't just have a mission statement that we want to be presently working on that mission. If we are called to lead people to focus on Jesus, then what are we doing about it to make sure that people are actually focused on Jesus? We are a church on mission. What is rally? Rally means that we are together, being together to focus on a singular purpose and a singular action. That's what this series is all about. And what I hope to do over the next four weeks and and what we're going to try to lead everybody through is this understanding that it is important for us to rally because we really are better together than we are alone. Scripture says it over and over again that we're, look, at the very beginning, God looked at man and he said, it's not good for man to be alone, right? We're better together. Ecclesiastes uh, 4.9 says, two are better than one. Everybody say two. two. Everybody say better. better. You're better together than you are alone. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Okay? I want people around me to rally around me for a singular purpose and a singular action because we're going to accomplish more together than we are apart. You're better together than you are alone. You want to be able to have a strong wolf pack around you. The strength of the wolf is the pack, right? You want to have a pack around you to help keep you focused on the exact same thing. And, and I'll tell you what, the author of Ecclesiastes, he doesn't just stop right there at just two. He continues on and he says this in verse 12. He says, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Oh, but a cord of three strands? A cord of three strands, that's not quickly broken. Which means this. That if I want to have a group of people around me and I want to have a rally around me, I want to run deep. That the more people that I have around me that are watching my back, that are going to war with me, that I'm not going to fall down. I want to have more than just one. I want to have more than just two. I want to have more than just three. That I want to be able to have a group of people that can rally around me. You need a group of people that can rally around you. Why? Because we are better together. Come on now. It's not good for you to be alone. We were designed to be in relationship and to live in relationship with other people. Because when you get yourself into a mess, you need people around you that can help build you up. 
Maybe help carry you through a tough time. Or when you're going through something amazing, you want to have people around you that are celebrating with you. Otherwise, if you're just sitting there celebrating all by yourself and you're jumping up and down and you're going crazy, people are like, you're a crazy person. (laughs) But if there's a whole bunch of people, like if there's just one person, one person who's going to Texas A&M's University Stadium at midnight before a game, people are like, there's something wrong with that guy. Right? Like that lady, she's, there's, now something's wrong. 25,000 people together? Oh, hey, I want to be part of that one. Right? Because we are better together. What I hope to do during this series and for the next four weeks is to be able to show you the importance of having a group of people around you. Making sure that you put yourself into a position where you have a group of people around you. Because I'm telling you, you are better together than you are alone and that's what we hope to do and so what i want to do is i'm going to actually uh i'm going to go through uh a, a passage acts 242 and that's where we're going to be able to land over the next couple of weeks but before we go there and in fact if you want to if you have your bibles with you you can go ahead and open up to acts chapter 2 that's where we're going to be or if you have your phones with you you can go to the U version live event and you're going to have all of your notes digitally there which is a fantastic thing for you but while you're turning there while you're getting everything ready uh, let me just give you some background as to what is getting ready to happen in acts chapter 2 so jesus is walking this earth which i love to be able to like so many times we don't think about that we just think of jesus as this kind of far off figure this is a man who truly walked this planet he was there he walked this planet and when he was walking this earth He had a group of people that followed him. Again, a group of people. Even Jesus wanted to have a group of people around him, right? Because you are better together. So he had this group of people that were following him who believed that he was the Messiah, which means Savior. They they, they believed that he was who he said he was, the Son of God. And and what they imagined is that that Jesus was going to come as a champion, a victorious, overcoming King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. We just sang that song, right? And that's what they believed. And so when they're following Jesus, see, Israel at this time was occupied by the Roman government. And when Jesus comes around, they're like, all right, now's the time he's going to overthrow the Roman government and he's going to set up a kingdom. And in their minds, it was an earthly kingdom. And so they're believing that this is going to happen. And then all of a sudden, something wild happened. Jesus the person that they had put all of their hope and all of their faith into gets arrested. And what happened when when he was arrested is that they all scattered. They all left. They were better together, but then they all just ran away. And then something really strange happened for them. This person that they had put all of their hope and trust in, this person that they had sacrificed the last three years following, he died. Imagine what that did to them. They thought everything that we have just believed and everything that we have walked for the past three years is all a lie and a sham. Can you imagine how they felt in that moment? But we know the end of that story, right? They didn't know it at that time, but all of a sudden, three days later, they got a different kind of story. The tomb is empty. Can I get an amen today? Come on now. The tomb was empty. Jesus was no longer dead and buried. He was alive. Come on now. Some of them were rejoicing. Some of them were excited. Some of them were like, I don't believe it. I need to see it with my own eyes, right? 
I need to experience it myself before I hear it from somebody else. But then they, they all saw Jesus. And then for the next 40 days, 40 days after this, Jesus walked with them. He taught with them. He engaged with them. Powerful moment. Because what they didn't realize is that Jesus was setting up an eternal kingdom. Come on now. Which is what we are experiencing even today. Thank you so much for the freedom that God gives us in that moment. And for the next 40 days, he taught them. Now, something that we need to remember is that that time when Jesus died, that was happening right around the Passover. So the Jewish people at that time, they celebrated this, this thing called the Passover, which happened because they, when they were getting out of Egypt, right? We, we know that story. If you don't know that story, then go watch the Ten Commandments. Go watch the Prince of Egypt. And that's going to give you some background. It's fantastic, all right? But then, then what happened is that he taught for 40 days. And then he said to them, he said, hey, now what's going to happen is that I'm actually going to go back to heaven. I'm going to ascend. We call it the ascension of Jesus. I'm going to ascend up to heaven, but you need to stay here in Jerusalem. Because there's going to be something that's going to happen to you, and you're not going to expect it. It's going to be, a, it's going to be an incredible moment. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit for you. And, they, and so what they did is they listened to Jesus. And they stayed in Jerusalem. And that's where we pick up this story of this group of people who had stayed together in Jerusalem because they listened and obeyed Jesus. For 40 days they heard him speak. For 40 days they heard him teach them. And then he ascended to heaven. They stayed in Jerusalem. And then we pick the story up here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost, everybody say Pentecost. That's an important word for us. And what that word means is it, it means 50th. It's a celebration that happened 50 days after Passover. That's why they call it Pentecost. It's also known as the Festival of the Harvest, which is going to be incredibly powerful for us. And we're going to find out why in a little bit. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Everybody say together. together. Because we're better together, right? They listened to Jesus, and there's about 120 of them that they stayed together. And they're hanging out at this house in the, on the, the second floor of this house. That had been a big house, 120 of them, right? Either that or like, man, it was hot up in there, right? And they stayed together, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden there was this wild scene that took place. Because Jesus said, I'm going to send your Holy, my Holy Spirit down for you. And then on the day of Pentecost, that's exactly what happened. Is the Holy Spirit came down and baptized them. Now that sounds fantastic, but it got pretty wild. Like, I can't imagine even what it looked like. Because all of a sudden, there was this, this massive sound, like a, a rushing wind. Monsoon, anybody, right? Like, there's this sound of this rushing wind that's coming through this house. And then, not only that, but then there's this fire that comes down. And it begins, it splits up, and it begins to rest on the top of each person. It says like tongues of fire are resting on each person. That's pretty wild, man. I've never experienced that before. And then, and then everybody that's hanging out in that room, they start to speak in another language. One that they don't know. That had to have been a wild scene, right? Like, I mean, we say that we're a fun church, but I think they took it to a whole nother level on that one. 
right? And what were other people, like, and not only that, this was loud too. It had to have been incredibly loud when this was all taking place. Not only the wind, but just the people who were shouting out praises to God in other languages. How do you know when the Holy Spirit is really moving in a place? I'm going to tell you what. You're going to hear the people of God shouting out his praises. Come on now. It's not just words that we say that we want to be a loud church because I'm telling you that when a God is moving, you have no choice but to be able to raise your voice to him. That's what happens. It was so loud that all of the people around this house, they heard a commotion. They heard what was going on. It wasn't just, I don't think it was just faulty insulation. It was a loud thing that was taking place in this moment. And when that happened, all of a sudden, Peter stood up. He stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice. Come on now. When the Spirit of God begins to move inside of you, you're going to raise your voice. And notice, he didn't just stand up by himself, did he? He stood up with the 11. Why? Because we are better together. There's a group of people that all of a sudden experienced something that was incredibly powerful. They had a special moment that was incredibly powerful. People heard it. They came and wanted to figure out what was going on. It was so loud and it was so fun that people were like, they all must be drunk. No joke. That's what they said. Like, that's, that's got to be a fun church to go to. When everybody's like, oh, they're just, where's the communion wine, right? Like, that's a fun church to be able to go to. That's what it was like. We shouldn't just be sitting here with like, I'm just sitting down. I'm just going to have a nice little time at church. Come on now. Raise your voice up a little bit. Get a little bit excited every once in a while. Get a little tap in your foot. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because people saw it. They heard it. They wanted to experience the same thing. And so then all of a sudden, Peter, Peter stands up and he's like, hey, let me tell you what's happening. And he begins to teach them. He begins to raise his voice and then he, he does what Jesus asked us to do. He's just being a witness. What's a witness? a witness? A witness tells a story of what they have seen, what they have heard, and what they have experienced. And that's exactly what Peter did in that moment. Is that he, he began to tell everybody what he has seen, what he heard, and what he experienced in the life of Jesus. That's what he did. That's what God is asking us to do, and that's what Peter did in that moment. And then all of a sudden, all these people that Peter is talking to, they begin to ask other questions. So continue, look at this. Peter says, here's what you need to do. You need to repent and be baptized. Come on, somebody. What does repent mean? Repent means just simply that you turn away from the way that you were living before and you turn towards Jesus. You put your focus off of this world and you put your focus on Jesus. That's what repent means. And get baptized. You make a public declaration. That's what baptism is. It happens after salvation that you say yes to Jesus and then you're like, man, let's go underneath the water. We go underneath the water and we come out. With, like, look, at I'm a, I'm a new creation. It's an external focus of what happened internally for you. And that's what baptism is. Peter replied, you need to repent and get baptized. And then when that happens, guess what? You're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're in here today and you have not said yes to Jesus, let me just, let me just encourage you with everything. It is the best life that you could imagine. Serving Jesus with everything inside of you. 
If you haven't said yes to Jesus, let me encourage you today. Today is your day to say yes to Jesus. You can get baptized. We're having baptism next week. And then when that happens, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells me so. And then the promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off. Us. We are far off from this moment, but that same thing applies to us today. The same gift applies to us today. Repent, get baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. I know it because I have experienced that in my life. I said yes to Jesus, and he radically changed me. Come on. And he can do the same thing for you. He can do the exact same thing for you. But then, I love this next passage, and I think that all pastors love this. With many words, he warned them. Come on now. With many words. Anybody here to hear many words today? I'm just playing about this one. I thought that was funnier than y'all did. You're like, how about a fewer words? How about that one? <laughs> like, with many words, he warned them. That's not, what, that's not what I'm excited about. But the next one. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added that day. Come on now. The festival of the harvest is not a festival of a harvest of grain. It's not a festival of a harvest of vegetables. It's not a festival, it's not a festival of a harvest of fruits. It's a harvest. It's a festival of a harvest of souls. Come on now. About 3,000 of them. You know that it was a pastor who was doing that counting because it was like, yeah, it was about 2,700. Let's just call it 3,000, right? It's about, about 3,000. That's what it is. I love that so much. And here's what I know is that God has done it before and he can do it again. When we are together, we are better together. This this was an incredibly special moment, right? Oh my goodness. Like there, there's a, I see some stories in scripture and I'm like, I wish I, was, I wish I was there for that one. I would love to have seen that one. I would love to have seen that one. 3,000 people getting baptized in one day. Can I guess, let me get in on that one. Can I baptize one of them, you know? Let me get in on this party. I would love to have been, and that's, this is a special moment. And how many of you know that and you've experienced a special moment with Jesus before. A special moment, a special moment is something that, that all of a sudden you're in a tough place. And you're not sure what to do. And then all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and they give you an incredible word of encouragement. And you're like, that's exactly what I needed in that moment. That's a special moment, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Or, or maybe, maybe you're at church one day and all of a sudden the song just comes and and all of it, it just it just messes with you so much. You start getting goosebumps. So no, no, we're in church. Not goosebumps. Holy Ghost bumps, right? Right. You got you get that chill that comes over. It's a special moment. Or you're in a financial situation, and all of a sudden there's a blessing that comes through that was completely unexpected, and and it gets you through that time. It's a special moment, isn't it? And those special moments are things that we always want to remember, that we want to be able to think about. But the reality for us is this, is that it takes more than just a special moment to have a special movement. A special moment can be a catalyst towards a movement, 
But you've been there before. I know that I've been there before that a special moment was like, oh my goodness, that was fantastic. And then a week later, I'm back in the exact same place that I was before. How did I get back here again? I mean, I just had this incredible moment because it takes more than a moment to create a movement. Well, my hope for you is that there will be a movement that you're part of. I'm not just asking that God is going to have a moment inside of your life because that's just a single time. That there is a movement that will be continuing to flow in you and through you. I don't want our church to just have a special moment. I want our church to begin to have a movement inside of our community. Those moments are fantastic. But we need to have a strategy to follow to create a movement. Because after that moment, on that day, 3,000 people were baptized, but a movement was created. Because you and I are here today worshiping that Jesus because of a movement that happened, not because of a moment. So we need to look at Scripture and say, how did that group of people move from that moment into creating a movement? Because that's what my hope is, is for each and every single one of you. Not to just be able to come in and be like, man, that was a good message. And then I'm going to go do my thing for the rest of the week. Man, Sunday's here. Oh, you know, I don't know if I can make it this time. I got some other stuff that's going on. Because the question that I have for you then is, if you want to be able to follow Jesus, are you giving him your first and your best, or are you just giving him your leftovers? See, there's too many times that this world is just full of things that want to distract us from Jesus, isn't it? It's not your fault. We all fall into it. We all fall into those moments where we lose our focus and then we find ourselves drifting away. And I don't want to just have a moment for you. I want to have each and every single one of you experience the movement of God in your life. Because a movement of God changes not just you, but generations, the children that come after you. And the ones that are far off. Come on now. We're not just trying to do something just for you. We're trying to create a movement that will reach people far off. But how do we do that? Well, why don't we go ahead and look at how those individuals that were together in that moment, how they walked through it to see a movement happen. And we find that in Acts 2, 42. And it says, they, come on somebody, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. The first thing that we need to do is we need to, we need to devote ourselves. The Greek word that is used right here is, is proskotariero. That's the, I know, somebody pronounced that one, right? Like, everybody say proskotariero. <laughs> that was really fun for me. I love it. You should try reading that when you, when you don't know how to pronounce it, right? Like, you're like, I don't even know what that word is. Thank, the, thank goodness for the education that I've had. Proskotar arrow, it means to be devoted. But it doesn't just mean to be devoted. It means that you are continually, steadfastly, and unwavering in your devotions. What is it in your life that you are devoted to? What is it in your life that you're like, you know what? There's nothing that is going to stop me 
from accomplishing this. There is nothing that's going to stop me from keeping my focus in this direction. I'm continuing in this path. I am unwavering in this path. I am steadfast in this path. What are you devoted to? Again, I ask the question, because we at our church, if we want to be able to lead people to focus on Jesus, we as a church, there's, we're just, there's no doubt about it. We want to help lead you to be devoted to Jesus. To see people become fully devoted followers of Christ. But you need to know what you're devoted to now. Look at how you spend your time. Where does your devotion lie? Look at how you spend your money. Where does your devotion lie? What are you devoted to in this life? Only you know the answer to that. Like I said, here at our church, we're, we want to be devoted to Jesus. You know, we live in a world, we live in a world that is trying to, like I said many times, that's trying to pull us in other directions. They're trying to get us to stop keeping our focus on Jesus and get us to focus on whatever else, right? We just do. And you might not realize this, but this is true for every single one of us, no matter how strong of a mind that you are, is that we are all being influenced all the time. We are all being influenced all the time. You don't have a choice in the matter. But what you do have a choice in is what's going to influence you. That's the choice. You're going to be influenced. But your choice is how are you going to be influenced? Where are you going to get the influence from? Who are you hanging around? What kind of media are you, are you indulging in? Are you, what are you reading? What kind of books? You are All of us, we are all being influenced all the time. We don't have a choice in that. But we do have a choice in what we are being influenced by. Where does your devotion lie? It might be in where you're getting your influence from. Where do you choose to get your influence from? That's going to show a lot. Devotion. They devoted themselves. I'm going to tell you, I think a big place that we're going to see where our influence comes from is in the they that we choose to be around. We don't have a choice on if we're going to get influenced or not. But we will definitely have a choice on who's going to influence us. And the they is powerful. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Not just one. Together to create a movement. They say that sociologists say that we're the sum of the five people that we hang out with the most. The, the people that we're around that we're going to act like them, we're going to talk like them, we're going to think like them. Why? Because we're all being influenced. And so then the question that I have for you today is if you want to be devoted to something, then who are your they? Who are the people that are influencing you? Who are the people that you're allowing into your life to speak into the direction that your life is? Who are the they when you get around a group and they're saying, hey, look at, look at that over there? Because you're going to look. Because you're going to be influenced by them. So who is your they? 
If you want to be devoted to Jesus, I think you need to have a tight grasp on who your they is. Who is influencing you? Who are you allowing into your life? Are they bringing you in the right direction? Or are they a bunch of knuckleheads that you've allowed to speak into your life that are dragging you down at all times? I just can't be around that negativity anymore. I just can't be around the situation where people are they're dragging me into this mess every time that I feel like I had a special moment and the next thing I know I'm in this mess again. Why? Because your they keeps pulling you down. Who are your they? I don't know about you, but I want to be incredibly picky about who my they are. Who am I allowing to speak into my life? Who am I allowing to influence me? Who are your they? I hope you have the right they. There's power in the they. I hope you have the right they in your life to keep you focused in the direction, to keep you focused on the devotion that you want to be able to have in your life. Some of you are like, I don't have the right they. You're just honest about it. I don't have the right they, but how am I supposed to find any other they? Because these are the they that I've had in my life my, my whole life. These are the only they that I know. And I, I keep going back to the same stuff, but I don't know any. So here's the, where can I find the right they? If, if I'm going to be influenced, if I'm going to have people speaking into my life and and that's a powerful thing that I need to, where can I find that right day? Right? I mean, that's an honest question that I think all of us need to ask. And let me give you some hope. They're right here. There's a group of people right here that are the right day for you. That we want to help lead people to be focused upon Jesus, to be fully devoted followers of Him, that our devotion lies in following Jesus, that we don't want to just have a special moment, that we want to have a special movement, and we are all singularly focused on the same thing, where we have the same purpose and the same action moving forward. Where do you find the right day? Right here. Right here. You can't just come into church and then just sit down in a seat and then be the first one out the door and experience everything that God has for you. You're going to hear some great music. You're going to hear a fantastic word from a pastor. Come on now. <laughs> but then you're going to walk out the door and you're going to forget all of that. Which is why you need they to keep you focused. In the same place. See, here's the reality is that, is that many of us that we're going to go ahead and give a moment. God, I want a special moment from you, so I'm going to give you a moment. And then go ahead and bless me in that moment. But that's not what, that's not what God has for us. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you know what? If you seek after me, you're going to find me. If you seek me with all of your heart. Not just your Sunday morning heart. Not just your, I'm in a desperate place heart. Not just in a, I've got time for you heart. With all your heart. Devotion. How do you get to a place where you don't just have a special moment, but you're part of a special movement going forward? Devotion. That you are fully devoted 
to following Jesus. That you're not just giving just a little bit of your heart, you're giving all of your heart. It's not just the leftovers. I'm giving my first and my best, and I'm going to trust you with the rest. I'm giving you all of my heart. I'm giving you my Sunday heart. I'm going to give you my Monday heart. I'm going to give you my Tuesday heart and my Wednesday heart. I'm going to give you Thursday, Friday, and I know I need to give you Saturday because my team's going to lose at one point, and I'm going to need your saving grace inside of my life. All of your heart. But how can you stay devoted in a world that everything in it is pushing you to lose your focus? Everything is striving to get your focus away from being devoted to Jesus. How do you do that? By rallying together and having the right day around you. Where do you find that? Right here. On September 29th, at the very end, the last Sunday of this month, that we're launching out a brand new group initiative that we're calling Focus Groups to help lead you to keep your focus on Jesus. That every single one of us together in this church that we're gonna have multiple groups that can meet together during the week, not just on a Sunday, to keep your focus on Jesus. Where do you find the right day? Right here. How can you find the right group? September 29th. That we're gonna be able to have we're going to have all those groups out in the lobby and you're going to be able to find the right group for you that fits everything so that you can be fully devoted to Jesus. Not just part of a special moment, to be part of a special movement that God has for each and every single one of us. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Church, would you please stand with me? Now, I might be speaking to some of you today that you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I needed. I'm all on board with that. I'm excited about that. I need the right day inside of my life because I know that I want to keep my focus on Jesus and be fully devoted to Him. I know that I'm speaking to some of you immediately. But I also know that there's some of you right now that are like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Where my devotion lies. Because it, it's hard to stay focused on Jesus. I know it is. But it starts with a special moment. And that can be a catalyst for you. And so church, I just want to ask you, all of us, that we're going to be able to close our eyes in a second. Just right here in this moment. Because maybe there's a special moment that God has for somebody today. That if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be devoted to Him, today is a special moment for you that you can respond by saying yes. Or, or maybe you're in this place and, and you've said yes, but that fully devoted thing, my whole heart, I just give Him my leftovers. And I need to change that today. And I need to say yes to being fully devoted. And if you fall into either one of those categories and you want to say yes to being fully devoted to Jesus today, 
I'm going to ask you to be able to say yes by raising your hand up. Nobody's looking around. This is just between you and Jesus today. Today I give you my whole heart, Jesus. I'm raising my hand up as a symbol of saying yes to you and do a work inside of my heart. I want you inside of my life that I believe that you are the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and I give you everything today. Not just a little bit. I give you everything. And help this moment to be a catalyst for the movement that you have to change me, to change generations to come, to change those that are far off by this decision that I make today. I give you my heart fully in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on.